On this Brian Golf Show, we're going to go over the top 10 things that I've learned as a custom fitter. For the past couple of years, I went from being on the radio to, hey, I'm going to be a custom club fitter and builder, and some of the stuff is pretty mind-blowing. So we're going to go over that next. The Brian Golf Show. Four! Presented by Cobra Puma Golf. That was an excellent shot. Yeah, real good form. Man, I really hope you find this very interesting just because for me, as someone, as I stated before, I just decided... I wanted to become a custom club fitter. I've always wanted to be a custom club fitter. Like I can think back to high school and I can go, and this was before I really knew much about custom club fitting. It was more like, I just want to be a demo tech rep or something like that. You know, man, I'd be in high school and in class when the teacher is talking about science or whatever, I can always go back to like earth science with Mrs. Ritter at Cascade High School. That's uh, outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, by the way. I can just always remember having an Edwin Watts catalog and a golfsmith catalog next to me and I would circle fucking everything. Why was I circling the graphite shafted version of this iron and the steel? Like I needed both sets. I was very much a, I want it all and I want all of it more than once. Okay. Like I just thought if I won the lottery, I'm going to go through this magazine and I'm going to buy five of everything and have all these golf clubs. And now I have all these golf clubs. Um, <laughs> the pot is presented by Cobra Puma Golf. And standing next to me in this bag, this sweet-ass Cobra bag, I have the new King Forge Tech Irons, um, three through pitching wedge. My Nippon Modus 130X is ready to go. I'm, I'm really thinking, you know, I'm going to probably put the three iron 100% in the bag just because it's, it's a monster and that's kind of a hold in my bag. If I could find some place for you know, 230, 240 yards, that'd be pretty awesome. And from my experience, the four iron I hit nutted this thing multiple times. So to get the three iron in the bag, I, th I think it might really fill a, fill a hole. And I'll give them their due on the course as well. You know, I got Players' Cup as, as I'm recording this. I got Players' Cup coming next week. So I'm not trying to get into anything like too deep as far as, you know, deep testing on clubs. But these things are sweet. You can get all the info, cobragolf.com. Uh, hit them up on Instagram as well, or myself, DM me. I've got everything you need to know about the new King Forge Tech. The, you know, nice little hollow body construction, forge face, of course. And you got the uh, foam microspheres, all right, to create a nice little sound and feel. And most importantly, ball speed which turns into distance. Not one of the things that I have learned. This is my top 10 list of things that I have learned as a custom fitter. And we will start it on kind of the note of ball speed at the topic of ball speed. I think that goes into performance, which that's number one, that performance wins the battle but performance is kind of subjective sometimes. It's based off goals, right? Say somebody comes in and they've got one set of irons. Say they've just got some, some cavity back uh, blades, you know, in a sense. Like they've got, uh, if we're talking Cobra, like for me, I've got the King Forged CBs. What if I, I come in and I'm like, look, I just, I really want to hit the ball 10 yards farther. Well, maybe, maybe the King Forge Tech sitting right next to me. Maybe those are the, the ticket. But what if I come in and I'm like, look, I want that ball to go 182 yards with my seven iron every freaking time. I don't care what it takes. And maybe sometimes with, you know, the hotter heads or something like that, you just get that one that you just pure a little too much. And, you know, maybe your left to right's fine, but maybe your distance dispersion isn't as good. So it kind of needs to be fit to your goals 
in a sense. If we want more distance, make that clear to your fitter. Let them know you're after more distance. We can figure out dispersion in a couple different ways. Maybe we find it out with lie angle. Maybe we find it out with offset. Maybe we find it with shaft or a combination of all of it. I just think we do need to be putting a bigger premium on overall performance and and precision, not just left to right, but um, front to back precision. You know, you don't want to be off flying greens, right? Like if you got that seven iron that goes 180, but sometimes it goes 195, well, normally 15 yards over the green doesn't lead to a good score. So that is number one. Number two, you cannot, and I know you're going to hate me for this, you cannot fit over the phone. You can't fit through DMs or whatever. It doesn't matter. You just, you can't fit from a brochure, um, like at all. That's the hardest thing. Like everyone's always like, man, I, I need a really firm shaft and I need it low spin, low launch. And maybe to achieve that, you don't need a low spin, low launch shaft. Like, have you ever thought about that? Right. What if you don't swing the club the way that shaft is designed to actually deliver the club head with lower launch, lower spin, you know, get those metrics. What if you need something that maybe is like says on the brochure that it's mid spin, mid launch, but it just happens to be a little bit softer in the hands, you know, which could in, in turn help you lag the club head a little bit, which might deliver the club to the ball with less loft, dynamic loft. Talk about that in a second, which could lower your spin, could lower your launch, things like that. Okay. You must hit it to really know how it's going to perform for you. You cannot just fit someone through a conversation or a, well, this should do that. It just, it doesn't ever work that way. Okay. So on the note, I mentioned dynamic loft here. Number three, this one might be the best one period that you're going to get out of all of this. And that is that dynamic loft is my favorite metric. Okay. Dynamic loft is the actual loft that you are delivering to the ball with the club head almost over everything. For me, it's just so telling. Okay. So let me give you an example. Okay. Say you have a driver, it's teed up obviously. And you're like told, Oh, I need to hit up on it a bunch. Okay. Well, what if by trying to hit up on it to get that high launch and low spin, you actually find out that you're delivering your 10 degree driver with 20 degrees of loft at impact. All that's going to do is add spin. It's going to add launch. You're probably going to decrease your chance of getting the smash factor you deserve because you're losing ball speed by adding loft, right? The less loft you have, you know, to a certain point when you go through your bag of irons and whatnot, the less loft you have, the more ball speed you're probably going to generate, right? So that being said, you want to make sure that you're paying attention to what you're doing at impact. Also, you got to think of it, I can get immediate feedback. What if I put a shaft in your hands and three swings in, you deliver the club head at three or four degrees lower and you're, you're too long, you're too high launch, you're too high spin, but all of a sudden I drop you from 18 degrees of dynamic loft to 14 or 13 and all of a sudden you start seeing the numbers that you think that you're supposed to be seeing on the norm and you start getting a flatter ball flight, you start hitting it lower but carrying it farther. And then obviously when conditions call for it, you're going to get that rollout. So dynamic loft, just understand dynamic loft. I will go over all these in a, in a video on Instagram, like super soon, because I just think it'll be one of the best videos going over every metric that I pay attention to in a fitting, but with a premium on dynamic loft. Number four, quality is worth the money. Key manufacturers, they know like OEMs, all the companies, 
even the ones that I support, they know that their tolerances aren't as buttoned up on the build of their clubs as they'd like them to be. It's just not possible. It's what comes with the assembly line build and the mass production. You know, if you've ever been to an OEM and seen how it's done, it's it's not like one person's building every single club from your set and then they're putting their stamp of approval on it when it's done and you know you got fit with something that was a d4 swing weight and well this one's a d4 you know there there's nothing to really check that they just have their target and their tolerance is a little wider than when you go to a custom shop you know like uh, the one i work for club champion you know we'd build everything exactly to the spec of what you were fit for what we deem to be a proper fit for you and, and that is just something that you get when you pay for a higher quality fitting experience, okay? The higher cost of the build and all that, that, that should be worth it for you to ensure, too, that you're getting what you tr- truly were fit for, okay? You know the whole demo day, you go to a demo day and you hit the driver grade. And the next thing you know, you you get the club in from your club and, and the pro's like, here's your driver, man. Hit it good. And then you go out there and you're like, this is like 10 yards short or 15 yards short in the demo day. Like, what, do they have the track man or the GC quad juice? Like, what did they do? It wasn't quite, it's it's not always quite that simple. Sometimes it's just, that's not the exact club that you were, you were hitting that day. So that's why it's so important. You know, look, even when I was getting my own custom shop, I was looking at doing my own custom shop. You know, when I was in the process of looking for a new gig was between jobs. It costs a lot of money to acquire all the equipment that goes into this and and that adds to the cost. So it's good to kind of keep all that in mind and know that the people that are doing the fitting have done their homework and their diligence and they've got you, you know, all these different options, different manufacturers, they're brand agnostic, they're just fitting you in what performs best. Like that comes with a price. And I just hope everyone understands that. I do now. At the time when I first started, maybe I didn't but I 100% do now. Okay, number five, uh, shaft tipping. It's such a popular topic. Everybody wants to tip their shafts, like uh, two inches, you know. Yeah, John Rom. I don't know if this is true, but it's like, yeah, John rom has got his shaft. It's tipped two inches, and he, he spins at 1,600 and launches it at 16 degrees. It's like, yeah, but... You know, that's just not how that works, all right? And we did this really cool test at Club Champion with Plugged In Golf. You can actually see the test. It was a Mythbusters about tipping at PluggedInGolf.com. Give him a little love. Matt's a good guy over there. Does a does a lot of really unique testing with uh, different options. You know, a lot of questions that we would get all the time in the in the fitting bay, and so things like that. Tipping can have a major effect on you. But we did this test. It was one one was one inch tipped, one was a half inch tipped, and then one wasn't tipped at all. And all the results were different. I actually was able to be a part of this test and hit some balls, and I knew immediately though which one was tipped. Like as soon as I hit it. I was like, this is different feeling down there at the bottom. And then the one that was untipped was the one that not only performed the best, but opinion wise, you can say what you want about feel. Maybe it's a little subjective, but it felt the best too. And a good example of this, and I feel like a freaking idiot for this, but I had a driver shaft that I loved. It was a uh, Fujikura Speeder TR 757. It was a TX. So this thing was already like, it was X and then it was TX. But I was changing up my swing, and, and I, I was starting to swing in a little harsher, a little faster, and I needed something to keep that ball down, and this did it. Then I got greedy, and I was like, man, I just I keep losing it this way. I keep losing it that way. I need to tighten it up, so I tipped it a half inch. Well, guess what that did? It ruined my favorite shaft that I've ever had, 
and I haven't been able to get it back in any way, shape, or form. I still have the Speeder 857 TR, the TR 857 in my three wood. So it's like, I, I love it in that club. <laughs> if a club fits you, just let it go. Don't, don't look into tipping unless when you are originally fit, that is the option that the fitter deems needed. And I'm telling you now, that is not an option that needs needed very much. That is number five. That is something big that I've learned. Uh, number six, touch on this very quickly because I don't want this to sound like a commercial for my employer, but there is more than one way to build a golf club. And on, I think I've found my favorite, which is working for Club Champion. We do swing weight builds. We build everything to spec by swing weight. Obviously, there's SST puring involved that we are very high on. I would love to have more conversations with you about puring. I think it's something you should definitely be doing. But when it comes to when I was working at Loft Golf at PJ National, we did the whole frequency thing. Like, all right, I go test the the seven iron demo or the six iron demo or whatever the demo was, and it'd be like, all right, well, this is this frequency, so we're gonna build each club, you know, three to four cycles down, and then scale up, you know, as we go through the bag, whatever it might be. And I understood it, but I didn't like it. I didn't understand swing weight whatsoever. I know I was getting all my clubs in this range of like D3 to D6, you know, for my three iron be D3 and a half and my pitching wedge would be D6. And then my wedges would be D8 and all this. And it was, to me, it was just confusing. Like I didn't quite get it. I'm working for club champion. You know, they taught a certain way that I just... I believe in, you know, I could be building clubs 10 years from now and it's because it's transferred to my game and so many players that I fit and I've seen the success with it. So I'm not knocking other ways to build clubs. I just so happen to found, I found one that I really enjoy. So that being said, there, there are multiple ways to build a golf club. I don't know if one is right or not, but if there's a philosophy that you believe in, I 100% think that you need to go see a fitter that custom builds to the way you want your clubs built. Number seven, most players don't quite know how far they hit the ball, like on average, okay? And, and I would probably say like nine out of 10 players say they hit the ball farther outside than they do indoors in fittings. And I've heard something to this, that there's some people that swing slower indoors and that there's like a mental thing where the tighter space inside versus an open air on the course or you know on the uh, driving range at a golf course being indoors for whatever reason mentally kind of restricts and holds them back but i can say personally i hit my seven iron in the air 182 yards okay that's just how far i hit it indoors too so it's like that's okay well am i wrong or am i just used to hitting it indoors are, are people off on their yardages like what is that and I tell, I, I've had people tell me, I don't believe you. And I've said, give me 10 balls, 15 balls. And the average is going to be 182. The two or three times I've done it, I've, I've been within a yard. Okay. So that being said, um, I, I see the bay always transferring out to the golf course. If, if the clubs are fit properly for you and all of that. So one thing that I would say, as far as the distances and how far you do hit it, if you are dead set. I hit my nine iron 140 yards on the golf course and inside it's going 130 yards, but then you gain 10 yards with another club. So you're hitting your nine iron 130 in the bay, but you're hitting the new one 140. Well then to your logic, it's apples to apples. The new one will go 10 yards further outside 
and then we'll be going 150 yards. You know what I'm saying as far as that goes? So just keep in mind, apples to apples, that's really what we're trying to do. Uh, Number eight, this is a quick one, okay? For the majority of players I fit, and this is kind of funny because on reviews and, and things like that, like I can say this, the Forge Tech irons sitting next to me from Cobra that are about to drop, the king is, a, it's big. But I, I don't know a single player in my fitting bay that will look at this and go, I can't play that. The king is too big. But if you go on a forum or you go to someone that's, that's doing a review, maybe for entertainment purposes, they're just saying, oh my God, the king is huge. Like, whoa, nobody, nobody looks at the back of the club. I mean, I know you want it to look a certain way, but badging, I think it's overrated. You know, I, I think it's a company's way of doing branding. They're, they're really trying to do something. And I'm, I'm not normally one to believe in uh, uh, all press, bad press, good press is, is good press. But, you know, as far as it goes, it does get a conversation going. I, I can tell you this. I don't like snakes, period. Like, I don't like snakes. I am an ambassador for a company named Cobra, and their logo is a, is a snake with a crown on its head. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned, that shouldn't, that shouldn't matter, okay? I, I play irons with snakes on them, and I don't like snakes. So um, but most players, they're like, look, I just want the ball to go where I want it. I look down on it. looks good. feels good. Check. So aesthetics don't mean as much, I've found, as you would think. Maybe I'm wrong. Number nine. I've learned that being properly warmed up is almost everything, not just for your fitting, but in general, you know, like when I go in and I just cold swing, like sometimes I'll walk into work and I've got 20, 30 minutes to spare. I'll just start, you know, unleashing swings. My driver, if I go in cold, I'll swing at like 109 to 112, 40, 50 swings later, I'm 117, 119 easily. So you got to warm up properly, okay? So if you don't have time to hit a bucket of balls, just make sure you're stretching, move your body, do whatever you got to do, you know, warm up your back, warm up your hips, uh, do some good mornings, you know, like stretch the hammies, activate them glutes, whatever you got to do, you know, you simulate a golf swing for all I care. You just got to go through the motions because it's one of the bigger things that I've noticed in the Bay that really makes a difference when you aren't properly warmed up. You're just not going to be swinging at game speed. And uh, for, for that, I think everyone should properly warm up because it could be the biggest driver of swing speed um, for your round or your practice session or your fitting even. Okay, if we've made it all the way to number 10 and you weren't fulfilled with one through nine, I'm sorry, but number 10 could be for you. So finally, majority of golfers that come in and get fit, they're not scratch golfers. And I would almost argue that my scratcher, my single digit players see no more gains than that 20 cap that I fit. Think of it like this. Okay. In most cases, the person I see gain the most is the player that doesn't make a consistent pass at the ball. You know, like they're kind of struggling with their form. They don't quite know what they're doing because they're 20 handicapped. They love the game. They're hooked. They want an instant improvement. Think of it, they go get lessons, they work really hard on it, but they only improve just a little. But in a fitting, they find that they can improve a lot, maybe a few strokes here and there because they're hitting clubs farther, they're hitting it straighter, all of that. That can be an instant, immediate impact in a custom club fitting and a, and a big reason why sometimes a higher handicapper can get a little more out of a custom club fitting. Not to say that a, a scratch golfer isn't going to benefit. I've, I've fit plenty of Tour pros, you know, pros, people that are, you know, pro and and struggling maybe on mini tours, but then all of a sudden, you know, they get the right setup and it made that difference because the difference for them was a shot. 
Well, maybe the difference for that high handicapper is five shots. It's that wayward drive that then turns into a, a triple bogey on a hole. And next thing you know, you know, the, it's a snowball effect from there, right? That, that um, high handicapper doesn't make a consistent swing at it, can't really overcome their ability, but they can get in a golf club that consistently does the same thing for them. So it becomes a little more predictable. Maybe they gain a little bit of yardage. Maybe they keep the ball on the golf course. Maybe they assess just one part of their game where they're like, you know what? I'm a 20 handicapper and it's, it's really because I'm not a good putter. Well, we get them in a putter fitting. Next thing you know, they've lost five strokes simply because the, the, the club isn't fighting them anymore. So you got to keep that in mind, okay? So if you are in the market for golf clubs and you think that you can't go get a nice, high-quality, custom-fit, custom-built set of golf clubs just because of your, your handicap level, you're crazy. Anytime you want to talk custom club fitting, you know I'm here. This is what I do. It's Brian Golf on Twitter, Instagram. You can uh, Brian at clubchampiongolf.com. Just email me. You know, give me out there, and you know we'll keep the conversation of custom club fitting going because I think it's important for you to have all the facts and also know, you know, that, that I'm learning too with you. So as, as you push me with questions and that makes me kind of go seek out more knowledge, therefore making me a little bit more of a reliable source than, than I was not just from my day-to-day experience in the fitting bay and in the build shop, but just the, the knowledge that I kind of know where to go find it. I can ask the right people. Uh, don't ever want to leave you hanging. So if you have any questions, feel free. I'm always here for you. The Brian golf show presented by Cobra Puma golf. Now that your Brian golf show Family, here's where I need your help. We'll do it after every pod. Shoot me a DM or tweet me what you learned on the show today after listening, and I'll throw you in an exclusive contest for some random Cobra Puma golf gear. Never know what it could be. One month could be a driver. One month could be some hats. One month could be this, that. But for every 50 entries we get, we'll pick a winner to keep it exclusive. Thank you so much for your support. Now, you could tell your friends about the Brian Golf Show. Thanks.